0: What is my purpose? Are there any sins God won't forgive? What does the Bible teach about politics? Do all religions believe in the same God? What happens when I die? We all have questions, and we're going to start answering the questions you've been asking about. The Bible, culture, church, or just life in general. You asked for it. Hey, good morning. Man, so excited to uh, be here with you guys this morning. This is uh, really one of my first uh, weeks back in a few weeks, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, the uh, One of the things that often um, I do I, in, in my rhythms, I try to take a, a few weeks to just kind of make sure I still like doing this sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, it's one of those things, but one thing that I, I just deep. Deeply get every single time I take a few weeks like that is I just get a deep appreciation uh, to be able to serve uh, this church and to be able to serve you guys as your pastor. And uh, so thankful, really, that I get to be able to be a part of this each and every week. And so I just wanted to say I love you guys. My wife and I, we talk about and pray about you guys all the time. And so I'm looking forward to kicking off this whole semester. Um, really, from now until Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm going to be nailing through some things that, that, our, that our community, I believe, um, really is going to grow from, is really going to enjoy. And, and so I, I, I think this is going to be a pretty fun few months. So I just appreciate you, love you guys, and so thankful that uh, we get to do this each week. So today, though, um, we're in week number one of our You Asked For It series, and uh, it, a few months ago, you guys put a survey out saying, hey, these are the, some of the major questions that we're asking, and so we just took like the first uh, six of those, and we're just going to talk about them every single week. So I'm actually not responsible for anything that gets talked about for the next number of weeks. You guys are, and so make sure you write an email to yourself about <laughs> what goes on in every single week, because that's, that's where it's coming from. I'm so excited about that. Um, really, I am. I am just so excited about that. Anyway, so it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to uh, to be able to do this. So today, first week number one is what is uh, my purpose? Um, I'm really excited uh, about diving into this uh, thing with you. Um, the, the one when the question, the question, what is my purpose? Really, and it was number one on the list. Which is, which is exciting for a number of reasons, but we won't get into those today. But what is my purpose? Really, the question, what is my purpose, starts with a bigger question that lies right behind it. And that question is, what is the story that I'm living from? Because our purpose will be, will be uh, informed by the story of our lives. Whatever story is informing the way in which we live will inform in, uh, our activity upon the earth. It will it change everything about that. And so you can know this. You already know this to be true. You interact with this on a day-in, day-out basis. Because going on in the back of your brain is this thing, are these assumptions that you believe to be true about the world and that you're expecting to become true in the midst of your day-to-day. And often what tests these assumptions, what tests these perspectives are the circumstances by which you, that you find yourselves in day in and day out. One of my favorite uh, stories about this sort of uh, example um, is the story of the, of the Amish schoolhouse shooting 10 years ago. Do you guys remember that, um, when, when that happened? My wife and I lived about, uh, probably about 15, 20 minutes from uh, that site, so it really just kind of rocked that whole area. Um, in a major way. Every, the Amish community is, some, is something, a, actually, everyone really just deeply appreciates from Pennsylvania. We lived in Reading, Pennsylvania. We were always down in Ephrata and down 222. You, you kind of bump into this whole community um, that have been there for, for years. But, but the, most of that section just deeply appreciates uh, just the, the Amish and the way they interact with the world. Every once in a while, you get stuck behind one of their buggies. That gets frustrating. <laughs> Uh, that gets frustrating. When we came up here, they were, one of the first questions that they would ask us was, like, are there buggies down there, like horse and buggy? Oh, yeah, they're down there. Uh, but, but, but everyone just kind of really deeply appreciates that, uh, everything about the way that they live life and the way they interact with you and the way they, they have all sorts of uh, these, these deep, deep convictions that inform the way in which they live. And so when Charles Roberts uh, takes this little schoolhouse hostage and ends up uh, and, and kills five and injures five more you expect the results or you expect the, the, the response to that to be extremely tense, extremely tense. And there's actually a book by Charles Roberts' wife, then wife, who, who remarried. Her name's Marie Monville, and she writes about this book. I, I think that, that, that screenshot is in there for you guys to see that. If you, haven't read, if you want a good book to read, just a good summer kind of sort of thing, read this book. It's called One Light Still Shines. And she tells the story about the, mo- the, the, the hours following the shooting when the community of all the, the dads and the uncles and the, and the moms the, of all these people that were, of all these little kids that were injured, show up on her doorstep to give her a hug, to express love and forgiveness to her. And so she's, she kind of looks up out of the window and sees this community hugging her dad and saying hey we know we love you we're so sorry this happened now that's a story to live from there's something about the way that that informs that, that if you didn't live a story that actually informed that level of forgiveness it actually wouldn't be it would be false you couldn't show up in that moment with that depth of forgiveness without believing there to be certain truths about the way that the world works And it tests what you believe to be true. And so the question really comes down to, what story are you living from that informs the purpose by which you enter into the world? Every person in the world has this sort of story. It's called a worldview or a philosophy or however way you interact with the world. And they're all interacting with four questions. Every religion, every worldview, every philosophy are really interacting with these four questions. And the four questions are, well, uh, how, did, how was I made? Go ahead and throw those up there, Audrey. Where did I come from? What went wrong with the world? How do we fix it? And what is my purpose? Every, every worldview, every story is really trying to interact with these four questions. Questions and the Christian story really comes down to these these four ideas in this way: creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. The Christian story, the way that the Bible is really laid out, the story of the Scriptures is really four sections. There's creation. There's fall. There's redemption, and then there's restoration. And each one of these sections answers that question. So we're going to start there, and then we're going to move into purpose, um, if that's okay with you. Um, And if it's not okay, I'm, I'm sorry. You can, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So maybe go grab a coffee, and we can come back and start over. Anyway, so the creation, the Christian story really comes down to these four. And so creation answers the question, how was I made, and where did I come from? in the creation, Genesis 1 and 2 answers that question, that you were created in God's image, that in you is departed and invested a piece of God's glory to be his representative upon the earth. And deep within the image of God that you were created within is this deep, inherent sense of value, and so if you're living the Christian story and you ask the question, where did I come from, and you answer it the Christian, with the Christian story saying that you were created in God's image, that means all people everywhere have an inherent sense of value. And that when you, through whether word or deed, are stripping away that value of some, in some way, you aren't living from the Christian story. The Christian story is going to inform you to live a life that it gives an inherent value. And for nothing they did, for nothing they engaged you with, no value that they gave you so that you should somehow respond with value or some, somehow respond with some sort of joy, none of that. We start that all people are created in God's image and have an inherent sense of value. So where did I come from? You came, you were created in the image of God. And that God had a story for the world and it intended, the the way he intended the world to be is really all about that, all about the peace and the shalom and the balance and the rhythms of Christ. But it doesn't take long for you to look around and be like, there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong with, with the way the world works. So the question is, what went wrong? And, and, and your story, perhaps if you don't live the Christian story in here today, perhaps if you're living with some sort of other presupposition, some other sort of fix, um, the, the next question, what went wrong? You might answer this in all sorts of different ways. What the Christian story writes about is that sin breaks Everything. At the core of the cosmos, that, that sin enters the world um, through, through uh, Satan attempting Adam and Eve and then responding by them eating the fruit of the tree. It breaks everything because here's what the sin was here's, here's the sin that broke everything is that the first humans believed that they could be God without God, they thought that they were the creator instead of understanding that we are creation. And so that breaks everything. Sin really is all of the ways that the world is broken. And, and when we sin, because, because of our sinful nature, be it now that we're born into that sort of thing, everything's broken. All the pain of the world, all the, all the things that, that really are the way they are, but shouldn't be that way, is a result of Sin. Sin broke everything. And so, when we participate in all of the ways that the world is broken, that's when we commit sins. We commit sins because we are participating in the way that the world is broken. And so when we devalue people or we participate with something on the internet or when we engage with some sort of uh, understanding, when we are prideful and arrogant about ourselves and our own kingdoms—that is, that is participating in all the ways that the world is broken. And it creates sin that perpetuates the brokenness. And so the, the Christian story says, okay, what happened to everything? Well, sin breaks everything. Okay, so naturally, how do I fix this? How do I make this better? Now, here's where all of the worldviews, in my opinion, really start to split off. And this is where I believe the Christian church really starts to take some left-hand turns and some right-hand turns. But there's really one answer. How do we fix it? It's through redemption, through life in Jesus, See, as a church or, or just as people, we'll talk about education, we'll talk about politics, we'll talk about all these different things. We just don't believe that that's how you fix the world. There's only so much that you can do there without penetrating the human heart. What the Christian story is going to say is that sin breaks everything. So what ends up happening is that we end up uh, bending towards our own sinful natures. We end up bending towards God, uh, away from God. And we do this in a couple of ways. We either try to prove to, to God about how good we are, right? We, we, as good church people, sometimes we get stuck in this. But, but God, I did all of this for you. You should be blessing me. Sometimes I'll get down into, into pastoral counseling with people, and deep down into all their struggle is this assumption that because I was good, God should be blessing me, and he's not. All that is, is a reverse sin. It's like a prideful way to say, God, you, should owe, you owe me. The other way we try to do it is we rebel, we run, and we expose ourselves to brokenness, and we engage with all sorts of ways that the world is broken. And so it bends and it breaks, and we begin to show, okay, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? And really, redemption, life in Christ is the only thing that does it because it attacks the human heart. The human heart is at its basis just broken with sin, and Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, is the only thing that begins to repair that. There's no amount of education reform. There's no amount of justice that you can do that's going to change the human heart without them saying yes to the resurrected Jesus. Can I get an amen? Yeah, come on. Let's let's all right. Let's talk about your clapping real fast here. Let's just let's just we got. I just got to bring it. Just come on. Let's own that. Come on. We just say all right. Yes, amen. Come on. Yes. <laughs> You're like. oh my goodness, it was funnier from up here, just so you know, it was like, and so there's only so much that everything can happen, there's only so much that all of that stuff can do without eventually penetrating the human heart, when someone says yes to the resurrected Jesus and has faith in all that he's done, For you, that might be the first time you do something like that today. It could be something you did a long time ago. You thought it was old dusty, old and dusty, and perhaps you're dusting it off for the first time to try something new. Let's just tell you today that Jesus loves you, and he wants to move you towards him, and he wants to start something new with you. Redemption, life in Christ, it's all about life in the sense that God is creating new life right here in the midst of this one that we don't believe. It's just hold on, just wait. Maybe one day you might get out of here but that deep down in the, in, the, in, the, in the DNA of the world is that we're crying for our creator and groaning, Romans 8 says, groaning for the way that things should be, the way God intended it. We believe the only way to do that is through redemption, life in Christ. Many people have different fixes for this. They have different ideas. How do we fix what's broken? We'll just continue to do certain things and you continue to, to a lot of times you, you'll have, okay, the, 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 the Republican way to do things, the Democratic way to do things. If I just continue to do uh, all the good things that I like to do and I continue to serve people, then everything should be all fine and all set. And I think that's, that's switching what you're about to see here, that's switching exactly what the Christian story does. When you meet Jesus, you will not help but be able to serve people. But by you serving people, you cannot meet Jesus. You don't create your redemption through your good works. You don't create your redemption through the good things that you do. So no, just because you're good doesn't mean that everything's all set. In fact, the scriptures say that our goodness is like filthy rags in comparison to the glory that is in Christ. So his invitation to you today is to submit, is to rest, is to engage with the resurrected Savior. And so redemption is how we fix the brokenness of the world. And so that leads us to our final thing. Our last point of the Christian story is all about restoration. What is my purpose? Your purpose is to participate in the restoration of all things. And so if you start off with, I am here because God created me in his image. Sin broke everything. You want to look out into the world? You want to turn the news on and be depressed? By all means, go ahead and do that. You turn it on and say, what happened? Sin broke everything. Even when you're watching this stuff happen on TV between, in the beltway, it's just, a, it's just power and sin and people going back and forth, trying to fix the world in a way that's without redemption. And so what informs your purpose is the story. And from the purpose that that Jesus establishes in the scriptures is that our purpose as followers of Christ is to participate in the restoration of all things. It's his mission. We're a part of it. Our church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And so that will inform, when you have been changed by Christ, you'll know it to be true because the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of love will flow out from within the heart, changed by Christ, out through your hands. There's nothing you can do with your hands to change your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And so the question, what is my purpose, starts with the story, the story of creation, fall, Redemption and restoration. And our purpose as followers of Christ is to join with God in the restoration of all things because he wants to restore everything, people, and the world, back to the way he originally intended it, back to the way that he originally planned it. And so what are we doing as a church? We're a part of that. Each and every week, when you come in, you're you're establishing or you're interacting, you're centering yourself upon the resurrected Christ say that my way is the sinful broken way and I need him to continue to repair me. I need him to continue to have his way in my life. I need to celebrate that he's great and that I'm changed by him. And so the question is really, okay, so if the story informs the purpose, then well, how do we participate? How do we live from that purpose each and every day? How do we live from the restoration of all things to begin to see this flow out through the rest of the world. Are we tracking so far this morning, church? Come on. And so, (laughs) now I get it, I get it. Cool, that's all right, great, that's awesome. Bunch of sinners, my goodness. (laughs) Saved by grace. Number one, participate in the restoration of all things. Number one is discipleship, loving Jesus loving Jesus. In Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47, and this is really what informs all of our activity, all of our operations here at the church. This verse does inform, uh, because everything we do is discipleship. Everything we do, we're trying to make sure people become more like Christ and, and guide you along on that journey. But Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. A lot of times churches, what they do is they, is they, they kind of go for that last verse first. They say, okay, we want many to be added to our fellowship. But they skip like the first five verses. And really for us, discipleship comes about loving Jesus. But what we realize is if, we, if we're living from the Christian story, we realize sin breaks everything. Sin breaks everything. It really breaks us in three major ways. If you read Genesis 1 and 2, you can see these, these dynamics play itself out. But it breaks us because our peace with God breaks. Our peace with ourselves breaks. Our peace with each other breaks. And our peace with the world And so our identity becomes all about us and all about our success and all about our steps. Our relationships really become about how you can please me and how you can shape me and how all the things that you have can help me. And our relationship with the world really becomes about more consumeristic than cultivators. When God invites you into this process of participating in the restoration of all things, he's asking you to work in a way that gives him glory and we get joy. But it's not about our glory. We submit that to Christ. And so you shape this in worship, community, and mission. You shape everything that we do in those three things. So you'll see this breakdown which is really kind of, every, again, everything that we shape on the thing. Go to that worship community mission slide there. Yep, Worship is shaped through teaching, through prayer, and our pursuit of him. Community is shaped by our fellowship with each other, our belief in our commonality as followers of Christ. And our mission is shaped by stewardship, meaning everything is God's, not ours. It's stewarded it through gifts and through joy. And so we, we, everything we do when it comes to discipleship at the church is worship, teaching, prayer, and pursuit you find in our gatherings. I can't wait. I'm going to talk more about this next week. But at the end of August, we're going to be starting an environment called Elder-Led Prayer. Many of you have been asking about this, talking about this for a long time. But every month what we're going to do is create an evening where we're just pursuing God for the direction of our church and for the health and the wholeness of our, of our community. Saying, God, do something in us. Change us, shape us. Can't wait for that. Community, fellowship, belief, commonality, our community group startup. This is not just a program from our church. I've been talking about this for, for years now, two years, two whole years now. It's Community is not just a program that we do as a church. Community is a breakdown of who we are as a, as a community of people. That God is shaping our relationships as we engage with each other and we will live best. It's literally impossible to grow without being connected to a community of people. And mission, stewardship, gifts. We've we, we, we spent a lot of time on this last year, but stewardship, everything about the way in which we steward our money and our time, it all is about God's glory. That's why the first thing we do is we give to God. That's why the first thing that we do is we engage with the restoration of all things, not just because we feel like it's good and helps us, but because it gives God glory and says that his story is the best way to live. Discipleship is all about living the best story, the Christian story. And so you participate in this through Discipleship through loving Jesus, that's your primary identity. That's your primary identity as followers of Christ. Everything else falls away. That when you have a choice between the cross and any other symbol to identify the way you interact with the world, you pick the cross. That's discipleship, it's loving Jesus. The second way that you participate in the restoration of all things is through serving. So you have loving Jesus and then you have loving others. Serving is the next way that you participate in the restoration of all things. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 talks about it this way. For I was hungry, this is Jesus, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply. Now that verse there is a dig at all of the religious leaders at the time. So a lot of times churches, they'll get stuck on the discipleship part, but everything is just about growing and becoming more like Christ. I would say yes and serving. That when we give to those in need, that when we see people on the street, when we instead of try to figure out policies to get them go away, but we actually engage with them in good ways, you're serving and participating in the restoration of all things. And so you're saying, okay, when, when did we see you in any of this way? You're literally serving Jesus when you're clothing people, when you're feeding people, when you're pursuing people, when you're visiting people. That's living from the Christian story of creation. Everyone's got value. And so you live outside of yourself as you participate in the restoration of all things. You're living the way that God intended you to live for people who don't know it, don't, have not experienced that yet. So you're serving. Matthew 25, it's Matthew 25. So it's got to be a strong arm of the church. And so when you have lives that are changed by Christ through discipleship and loving Jesus, naturally, for the overflow of your heart, you will serve people. You will serve people. If service of people is absent in your life, you are probably not participating in all of the ways of the restoration of all things that you could be. That means you're not seeing people as an inconvenience. You're seeing people as an opportunity to serve. And so you participate through discipleship and loving Jesus. You participate through uh, serving and loving others. And lastly, you participate Uh, through multiplication. Matthew 28 says that we should be seeing this take place. This is what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it talks about literally the first thing that you do is be, as you're following Christ is to be baptized. Literally, that's why we're doing that baptism on August 27th. We want you to do that. If you've never been baptized before or even if you were baptized as a baby, it's a statement that you're saying you're following Christ, not because, you, uh, not because that is what makes you follow Christ, or that's not what gets you saved, but because of all the work that Christ has done in your heart, you're announcing to the world, I'm a follower of Christ. And so if you want to take that first step of baptism today, you definitely want to sign up. But, but he says multiplication is a way that we participate with that. Now look, some churches, they get stuck on discipleship but they just stay that way and say, okay, it's all about growing. Others, they just serve. They say it's all about serving. But then we forget that actually it's a, there is multiplication a part of it where literally we see other people meet Jesus. We do see other people meet Jesus. You make disciples. So not only are we making disciples in this environment, we're making disciples when we participate in something that we, a word that everybody loves, especially introverts, evangelism. We do that. At our church, this is what we say. We say we pray for one, right? So who's your one? Who's your one? Praying for one is a simple prayer. God, give me one person today that you would have me share your love with. That prayer is radical. If you ever seriously pray that prayer, it's going to affect your discipleship, because now you're praying, and you're asking God to give you His heart for somebody. It's going to affect your community because you're going to be showing all the you're going to be looking at people in the eyes, you're going to be saying, "God, who is it today? Who needs your encouragement? Who needs your love? Who needs your value?" It's going to affect your mission because then you're going to engage in them and you're going to say, hey, look, Jesus loves you, man. Or you're going to do something to serve them. You're going to do something that blows their mind or rocks their world. I had a friend say to me that if you have a generous thought, it's not from you, it's from God, that you should do that. You should do that for somebody, even if it makes you feel awkward. When someone's in pain, you should... You should be generous to them. When someone needs just your encouragement, when you think about that, you should do it because it actually comes from the image of God created within you. And so through through multiplication, that we begin to see that when you pray for one. I mean, I, I love this. I, we, I talked about this a year and a half, a year and a half ago, I first started introducing this. I started talking through it. So again, how do we pray for one? And I got people coming up to me most weeks and say, hey, my, my one came today. I've been praying for six months. Some of you might have been someone's one. Sorry to break the news to you. (laughs) Because we believe that Jesus changes lives. And we believe that prayer begins to shake the foundations of the world. And that when we pray and we align our hearts with God's heart, we begin to see the way that he intended all things to be actually take place. And then we get surprised by that. When we actually see see the, when we actually participate and we see the restoration of all things begin to take place in someone's life, we're like, whoa, this works. It's been working for 3,000 years. The multiplication is we pray for one. We're not the only thing we do, it's not the only thing we do but we see people become followers of Jesus. It's not the only thing we do, but we actually begin to serve. It's not the only thing we do, but we actually become more like Christ together. Our purpose is to participate in the restoration of all things. Very clear, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to participate in the restoration of all things according to the Christian story. And so you live that way. Informed by the scriptures. And so we got a, a pretty cool opportunity to practice this as a church. And, and, and I know you guys have a, a strong Matthew 25 arm. I love that about you. Is that what you do want to care and show love like that. And, and there's an opportunity that, de, that developed over the last few months um, that we wanna share with you today. So we're gonna watch this quick video and then we're gonna wrap up right after that. Hey, good morning, church. Um, So excited to be able to share with you about some next steps that uh, we're gonna be able to have the opportunity to take uh, when it comes to mission here at the church. Um, Over the last five years, our, our church has really built some relationships with the Baldwin Elementary School in the Woodlawn neighborhood of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, and many of you are familiar with Baldwin as you have served as teacher assistants and student tutors. Uh, you've worked in the, in the lunchroom and you've helped the administration in different ways. And, and uh, really we've seen God just give us a lot of favor and a lot of missional opportunity uh, for this one neighborhood. And so where I am today is a, is a room uh, that Lord willing, we're gonna start a food bank in, um, in the month of August. So on August 26th, uh, we're gonna be launching a food bank here in that same neighborhood that Baldwin Elementary School is in. Right now, we're about uh, just a block or two away uh, from the elementary school. Um, And really how this opportunity came about was uh, Michael and Roxanne Newman um, uh, came to us saying that they had the opportunity to get a room to make something like this happen. Um, Mike is a major in the Pawtucket Police Department and was really looking for some resourcing and some help to to help get this off the ground. And knowing that we have the opportunity every single week really to be a part of that. Uh, at the, at, to be a part of our work in Baldwin, uh, we thought, man, this is gonna be a, a great fit. And so starting August 26, we're launching uh, this food bank here, and we need your help to, to kind of get this off the ground. Um, we, over the month of August, we're gonna need people to uh, just help continue to clean up uh, and stock shelves and, and get ready for the launch. And then August 26th, there's a big block party happening right here um, in in, uh, in Woodlawn uh, that we need people just to come love on folks that are coming into, that are going to be coming into the building. Uh, Just people that are in need of just hope and and love and support. Um, So we're going to need that for August 26th, And then through the, on Saturdays from nine to one through the fall, we're going to need people to help just sign up for that time slot. To work in the food bank, to uh, to receive uh, people coming in, to help people check out, uh, to keep you know everything kind of cleaned up, and just work in the midst of the food bank, um, and and be a part of all that's going to happen here. And and really, at our church, we 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 believe our main mission is to participate in the restoration of all things. And this here is one of those ways that we're going to be able to see God continue to work in and through the life. Of our church and, and so I, I just would pray that you would consider uh, getting involved with this food bank here in Pawtucket um, and looking forward to seeing all that God might might do and so it's going to be a, a room you just got to imagine this room kind of just filled with uh, filled with opportunity filled with, with filled with uh, uh, food and f- with dry goods and all that a family might need um, just so that we can help share some hope uh, for those that might need it so be praying about this. If you want to sign up, you can sign up today, right after the gatherings or throughout the week at the Con- at the Connection Center um, uh, out in the lobby. You can also email uh, myself or my wife, Connie, ultimately seeing God do some work as we move through this. Uh, in-